0: Sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, accelerate your business growth has got to cover. And now on with the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest today is Paul Epstein. Paul is a 15 year NFL and NBA business executive, author of The Power of Playing Offense, a highly sought after leadership coach host of Playmakers podcast, founder of Purpose Labs, and keynote speaker on a mission to inspire purpose and transform leadership as we know it. Thanks so much for joining me today, Paul.
1: Absolutely, Diane. I am fired up to be here and ready to play offense together, as they say.
0: (laughs) Okay, so explain to the listeners what playing offense means to you. 100%.
1: So, as you mentioned in the background, the majority of my corporate experience comes in the professional sports world. So, no, I was not on the field. No, I was not on the court. I am the business guy. I was in the boardroom leading and coaching business teams for three different NBA clubs, then the NFL League office, and then uh, most recently with the San Francisco 49ers. And after that 15 year journey, what I got to observe, while some of these insights come from observing so many games in my natural day-to-day environment, I also got to understand what the leadership trenches, what the business trenches, what the sales trenches, which were the main hats that I wore during my run. And I got to study what separates the elite from the pack relative to performance. Because oftentimes, whether we're speaking to Entrepreneurs and small business owners out there, or whether we're speaking to fortune CEOs, we are all measured by that common denominator of performance. So after 15 years, I study it, I curate my top lessons, my top insights. And one of my key takeaways was that there are two types of people when it comes to performance those that play offense and those that play defense. What does that mean? Defense. They're always seemingly on their heels versus offense, they're on their toes. Defense has a mindset of playing not to lose versus offense, they play to win. Defense, the market dictates the terms. Offense, they operate on their terms. So they play with an incredible amount of purpose and passion, and they take control of their future. And that is that binary act of defense versus offense. And so where I engage with clients and where I engage with people all over the world is, the magic question is, if that is defense and that is offense, how do you wanna play? And every single person wants to play offense, but then there are hurdles, there's obstacles, there's barriers, there's self-limiting beliefs. I mean, I could rattle off an entire list of why people don't play offense, but everybody wants to. And that's what inspired me to write the playbook, because it's one thing to give this inspirational, more rah-rah message of, hey, let's lock arms and play offense. I think that's a start, but nothing happens without action. And so I was very tactical in writing a playbook on how exactly we can all play offense each and every day of our lives.
0: Okay. And, and you say there are five pillars of playing offense. So Mm -hmm. can we, Explore them? Absolutely. So I start off
1: the first pillar by living with championship purpose. Essentially, that is how deeply do you believe in the game that you're playing? So, what I find is in that pillar, defense looks like you're stuck. Maybe there's a lack of meaning in each day versus with offense. That's that personal mission. That's the North Star. That is feeling like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. The second pillar is to be the storm chaser. What this means is, is pillar one is largely purpose-driven blue skies. What happens when adversity strikes? 2020 is a prime example of this. Mm. And so if adversity is inevitable, how do you practice cultivating your grit and mastering your resilience, not in the middle of a storm, but before the storm ever comes? So that way the armor is on and you are prepared through more of a control the controllables type of a mindset. And you say, well, is there something relative to my response, my actions, my effort, or maybe it is a mindset shift on how I can better overcome adversity. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar is called salute the long snapper. And this is a metaphor. While the long snapper is really the role player in football that snaps a ball to the punter, that's getting two in the weeds. The metaphor is This is the person in life that if they were to do 99 things right, they'll never hear a word. But if they were to do one thing wrong, they never hear the end of it. Um, And you and I and everybody listening in, we likely have been in this scenario in life. And so the key is, if all we do is shine a light on the star player in business, in sport, in life, then all the only people that feel like they can contribute and that matter are the stars. But we know that it takes a village to inspire greater performance, long snappers included. So what I do is I really have a drilled in message of belonging and inclusion. And the outcome is everybody matters because they know on any given day, their contribution can make the difference between winning and losing. The fourth pillar, is to embody gold jacket culture. This is essentially saying, culture is your competitive advantage. And here's my viewpoint. And I think this is the key assembly line on how we can drive greater performance. Leaders set the tone for culture. Culture sets the tone for people and people drive the performance of our business. But it all starts with leadership. And the number one thing that we can influence on a day-to-day basis is culture. Not only the grander culture of the organization or team, but how about the culture of yourself? Every single person has their own weather system. When they walk in a room, it gets warmer or it gets colder. And that is the litmus test of the fourth pillar on how culture can become your competitive advantage. Because from an individual level, we all take ownership and accountability to show up at our best. And then lastly, the fifth pillar is to leave it better than you found it. So this is the culmination of transforming from a life of self to a life of legacy. And what I like to really say is this takes you from a place where we are hyper-focused on success and I make it a yes and. Yes to success and yes to significance. Success is serving ourselves Significance is serving others. And the interesting part here, Diane, is that I know many successful people that don't feel significance. However, I don't know a single person that feels significance and is not successful. And so that's the journey of playing offense.
0: Wow. Boy, I, 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 so first of all, I love all of that. Second of all, Um, I love that last part, especially that, because it's so true that, that it's, it's sort of like, you know, servant leadership that when you aim to serve, then you feel fulfilled and you are successful. Yeah.
1: and, And it's interesting, Diane, how, unfortunately, and this is part of what was the spirit of the inspiration to write the book because I saw a major gap in the market that nobody's teaching that what you just said, where is that in our business schools in our MBA programs? Where is that in the training manuals? Where is that in the HR onboarding? Like what, like, it's so about just kicking butt on your own. (laughs) And if nobody talks about contribution, service impact, you tend to find that mid to late career, but why are we waiting until
0: then? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I I know, and and it's and unfortunately, I find like so many small businesses struggle because the leader doesn't realize the impact that they can and do have on their entire business and everybody in it, everyone they come in contact with.
1: Yeah, it, it literally. Leadership can be the greatest influencer in a business. It is the make or break. I mean, when you think about what makes a great business go, you can typically, and I'm not a fan of uh, cliches like top down, because I think that's part of the problem is we define leadership by rank, role, title, authority. I I think true leadership is in the mirror. And here's my litmus test. And I want to pose this to the entire audience right now. Everybody listening in, think of the greatest leader that you've ever had. It could be any walk of life, a coach, a mentor, a teacher, a parent, or maybe it is somebody in business. Think of that person right now and think of why did you just process them in your mind? Like what were their actions? What were their behaviors? How did they show up on a daily basis? And the reality is before they led you you're probably inspired to follow them because of how they led themselves. Mm-hmm. If they wouldn't have modeled the way, you wouldn't follow them. And if you did, it would only be because of their title. But I just asked for the greatest leader, not any leader. We follow many people because of their rank, role, title, authority. So I think that's the world's definition of leadership. And then really how I'm trying to democratize leadership is that before we lead others, we must first lead ourselves. Yeah. And every single person can lead themselves, no title required.
0: So you said this thing, I wrote it down that I thought was so interesting is everyone has their own weather system. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, that. But my question is, do you think people know what, that they have a weather system?
1: Most don't. Yeah. <laughs> Most don't. And <laughs> it's because of, and look, hey, I'm not saying anything negative about others before I look in the mirror. For a lot of my career, I didn't. So I'm vulnerable enough to say that. I think one of the big gaps in business and in the world is a lack of self-awareness overall. It could be awareness that you have a weather system. It could be awareness of how you're showing up each day. It could be awareness of your attitude, your lack of emotional management, your lack of impact on other people. I mean, all of these things, this is EQ in a nutshell, right? I mean, EQ, the genesis of it is awareness. And to me, there's three layers, awareness of self, awareness of others, and awareness of situation. If you can conquer those three things and have a conscious conversation every day with yourself about those three things, my gosh, like once I figured that out, that's when business and life started to take off. But again, nobody taught me this. (laughs) That's why I wrote the power of playing offense, the leadership playbook. It was the playbook I never had, Diane. Like nobody trained me how to lead people, how to inspire purpose, how to build culture. They trained me how to do my function, the technical side, how to sell more widgets, how to run KPIs and metrics. And mm-hmm. that's it. I was never trained on the people side of business. And that's why I wrote the book.
0: Yeah. And, and you are so right that, that it is so lacking as far as, you know, business education and so unbelievably necessary and valuable because it's not that people don't want to be able to lead from within and, and all that is that they, they just don't know that that's part of the game that, you know, there, there are options. I can't tell you how many small business owners I talk to who say, okay, seriously, like, I don't know how to do this business ownership thing. I got into (laughs) this because there's this thing that I really like to do. And now I have to deal with people and, process and and this and that. And they have no idea where to start.
1: Yeah. And you bring up a great point, Diane. And my question is who's coaching the coaches. So to use a sports analogy and it doesn't matter if somebody listening is not a sports fan, but either way, most at least understand in sports, there's players and there's coaches. Mm -hmm. And in sports, if you are a high performing player if I was to ask you does that mean that that player is destined to become a great coach most people would say absolutely not it right. just means that they score a lot of points in the game but yet in business all we do huh. is promote the best players to become coaches <laughs> and then we compound the problem by not giving them any training yeah right so, so you know it's it's kind of like hey audit okay. how you're growing people within the organization and just cuz they kick butt on a scoreboard In my case, I come from a sales background. The best seller was rarely the best uh, sales leader of teams versus I know role players. I know people that were B, B minus sales performers, but they understood people. They understood chemistry. They understood how to care. They, They just had this knack for the people side. And guess what? As soon as they were out of that individual contributor role and they were in the leadership seat that's when their career took off.
0: Right, right. It is an interesting, what is it? The Peter principle, right? When when you promote people beyond their uh, effectiveness just because they're good at one thing.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. I think we look at promotions like they're linear. And I would argue if there's four tiers of being an individual contributor in whatever vertical you're in, maybe it is linear. I would argue that going from a manager to a director, to a vice president, that can feel a little linear, but that jump between individual contributor and leadership, that is not linear. And that is where I think we need to be a little bit more candid with what leadership attributes are we actually looking for? How do we want this organization to be led what are the value systems of those people, what behaviors do we want them to show up with, and what if we actually started to train and create more awareness around those leadership behaviors at an entry level? Now you are essentially building a leadership culture from the ground up. That I have seen to be the solution. It is extremely hard work, depending on the size of the organization. It can take time, but that when I get asked the question, how do you build a greater leadership system and culture? That's the answer, the secret sauce is in the execution.
0: Okay, wait, I'm gonna take a sponsor break. And then I, I would like you to talk more about, you know, starting this when people walk in the door and, and at any level, cause I think that's a, something most people don't think about. And I think that could be really, Game-changing to, to use a, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. a sports thing. So hang on for a second. Whether you're a seasoned designer or a total novice, with Visme, you can create engaging, dynamic, branded content that makes people ask, how did you do that? Visit tinyurl.com slash to explore. If you're a small business owner or salesperson who struggles with getting the sales results you're looking for, grab a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And if you haven't seen all Audible.com has to offer, you don't know what you're missing. Sign up for a free trial at audibletrial.com slash Today, we are speaking with Paul Epstein about growing from purpose to performance. Paul, before I took that break, I mentioned that I really wanted you to talk a little bit more about, you know, doing this whole system, like from playing on, you know, teaching this whole thing from the minute someone walks in the door. What does that look like?
1: So what it looks like, I I'll first start off by defining culture, because I think there's a thousand versions. If you were to Google, what does organizational culture or company culture or team culture mean? I think you're going to find a lot of answers. And to me, even as what some call an expert in the space, and I'm humbled to even be called that, I'll just say very humbly that um, I think people make culture way too complicated. It is the sum total of the actions and behaviors of an organization. That's it. Like, think about the actions and behaviors because you could have the best intention, but if you don't show up that way, who cares about intention? This is how you show up. And that's going to create, going back to the weather system that you brought up, Diane, the weather system is how do people show up every day when I walk in the room? How do they behave? How do they act? How do they make decisions? Really, if you were to drill it down to actions, behaviors, decisions, that's the culture. So looking at that, you now need to create an ideal future state. So as a business owner today, you say, I want to build a more inspiring culture. I want to build a culture of greater leadership. Fantastic. Think of that future state of what utopia looks like. What are the model actions that you want your team or your company to stand for? And you write those down. Same thing with behaviors. How do you ideally want to make decisions? Like, What are the key drivers of your decisions? And what typically will come out of these responses is a core set of values that you really harness. Now, values can be one of two things, Diane, and for everybody listening in, and I love values more than anything in the world. I think they can be one of the more powerful drivers of good in the world, but I also think it leads to one of the bigger misses in the world because the majority of corporate values end up being empty words on the wall because we go through this cool workshop and somebody like myself comes in and we shoot out of a cannon. And then next Monday morning, nothing's different, yeah. nothing because the implementation, the action isn't there. The belief in the words, the commitment, the dedication, because just like anything else, let's say you're trying to, maybe you're not in a physically healthy state right now, but you want to, as an example, lose 20 pounds. Guess what? That's not going to be easy. And I promise you, you're not going to see results in the first five days or 10 days. And that doesn't make it an ineffective process. It means it's going to take time. And with leadership and culture and values and everything we're talking about, it's the same principle. It takes time. It's the daily non-sexy commitment and dedication to those actions and behaviors. And so that's what I would say is narrow in on the values that are most important to you. And then use those values as a lens for how you show up. Here's an example. Let's say one of your values is impact. I would say, okay, when you make a decision in business and impact is to the left and squeezing out an extra 5% profitability is on the right, 99.9% of business owners steer to the right. But what if? impact was your guiding light. And you could be 80, 90% as profitable if you're values-based, if you're culture-driven, even if it's difficult at the beginning to make that decision, that is the direction that you go. And the reason is because you're playing the long game. Hmm. Just like losing those 20 pounds, it's not about the 20, it's about living a healthier lifestyle. If you want a healthy business, the only way to have great health in an organization is to be true to your values especially when it's hard. And so that would just be one high level example is imagine your future state, come up with an ideal set of corporate values and then make those values the lens for your actions, behaviors and decisions and then teach that out to the organization and here's the last piece Diane, train it through the organization. Mm. So one of my clients, their top value is curiosity. And I said, what does that look like? And they said, well, we need more empathy. I said, what does that look like? Well, we need to be better listeners. Okay, there we go. The behavior is listening. What we get is the spirit of empathy. What we get is a more curious and therefore a greater learning organization, but it starts with listening. And we created a learning program from the entry level up on how, everybody in the team could become more effective listeners. That's an example of how something high level can make the very minute executable details possible.
0: So it's so, I'm so glad you talked about then train it because (laughs) business owner can say, okay, well, I don't know how to do this, but then not realize that, well, neither does anybody else. So once you figure it out and you know what it is that you want, you want to make sure you know you want to guarantee that you've empowered people as much as possible to understand what that looks like and to be able to decision make and behave in a way that follows those values and don't assume they're just going to know it off the top.
1: Absolutely, and I think there's two gaps in business that we don't have in other areas in life. Uh, One of them is driven by ego, in my opinion. And as an example, in a lot of areas of life, think about personally whatever you care most about. If you need help in an area, most of us are humble enough to say, "I need help," and maybe I need a coach, or maybe I need to lean on a friend, or maybe like the point is, it takes a village to create positive change. That village could be two people or 200 people, but you know that. Trying to tackle things on your own isn't always the best solution, but in business, I think we under coach, we under rely on other people. A lot of it is because we have pride and we have ego. Now that's the bad side. The good side is, you know, we try to be independent and here's the thing, Diane. And I think this is kind of one piece is if we need to be more vulnerable and admit that we need coaching, the other thing we need to do. And I personally was not good at this for the majority of my career. Maybe this will uh, relate to folks listening in. When when you're the playing offense guy, I am high tempo, high octane. I am all gas, no breaks. And while that's cool for a marketing slogan, you know what it's not cool for is being aware of the situation I'm in, right? Like yeah. if, if I need to, in sports terms, I need to call a timeout because, and or I need to tell somebody to remind me that we need to take a timeout in business and assess where we are. Where are we good? Where are we great? Where are we average? Where are we below average? What do we need to do? Many companies call this a retreat. I would think instead of just a day in the woods once a year, can you create consistent check-ins so that you're building timeouts into your organization and into your team so that you can assess and then ideate what the best solutions are from there? And in my opinion, we don't call enough timeouts in business.
0: Boy, I agree with that. I think that is absolutely true and can be a really valuable practice. I like that a lot. Wow. This is, uh, you know, great. Um, And it's so interesting that it can apply for everyone in the organization, you know, if, if I'm hearing this correctly, and that you want it to. And that it's not just the leaders who have the title; it's everybody. Um, if there were, if there was, I'm not really sure what the English is there. Um, <laughs> so forgive me. Uh, there was one thing that you thought uh, a business owner could do, like immediately to start a process, what do you think that would be?
1: Just to make sure I understand. So Mm -hmm. business owner, they want to start a process. Are we talking any kind of process, specific kind of process? Like just give me one more layer. Sorry, I I know it was
0: a terrible question. So start this process of getting their whole team playing offense. That's what I'm talking about, you know, getting Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. This whole cultural shift.
1: Yep. No, and this should resonate especially with business owners because if you think about, if you're anything like me, you used to work in a corporate box or a pyramid or a rat race or whatever other hamster wheel. I could keep on rattling off the cliches that we hear about big corporate, and many of us took the leap into entrepreneurship because we believe that it's our path toward authenticity. Like we realize that there is a better way and maybe it's living, leading, operating on our own terms. And so what I see that's a strength of most entrepreneurial organizations that maybe isn't of most big box corporate comes back to the heartbeat of what I think is the secret sauce of to your question and for how I'm going to respond. And that is purpose. Entrepreneurial organizations have great purpose at their inception. Where I see them sometimes drive off the track is as they grow, they prioritize growth over all else. And so when you're just trying to win at all costs, you can inadvertently have trade-offs such as, wow, we were really pure to our mission when we were employees one through eight, but now that we are 400 employees, it's been a long time since we really assessed, why do we do what we do? Mm. Like when, when are we thinking about our why versus just trying to kick butt on the what and focus on executing the how to me, the secret sauce is the other two elements. The world is hyper-focused on the what and the how I'm more of the why and the who guy,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: who are you going to battle with day in, day out? Are they the right folks that are still bought in on the mission and Do you still have the integrity and the commitment to the original purpose that you had on day one? And here's a way that I would approach this. Purpose has multiple layers, personal, team, organization. Now, Mm -hmm. if I'm talking to an organization of four people, maybe there's two layers, but there's either two or three. Every single person has their own purpose. Mm -hmm. At the team level, there is a purpose. And at the grander scale, there is an organizational purpose. The key is, are they aligned? Are they connected? Because if they're not, you find yourself having an employee base that is paycheck driven, not purpose driven. Because if their purpose doesn't match, and I don't mean in words, but the spirit, the belief in the greater purpose has to be there from every single team member. Otherwise, there's negative domino effects and that's where you get attrition problems, retention problems, recruiting problems, engagement problems, inspiration problems, like all these challenges, they're not always bad people, folks. Right. <laughs> Oftentimes it's they don't feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves.
0: Right. Yeah, that's good. As you were talking about that, I was thinking, and and if they're if the purposes don't align that's okay. This just probably isn't the right place for them because they're not going to feel like they're contributing. They're not going to feel fulfilled that, you know, they're not really going to be at their best at what they're doing. And they owe it to themselves to find that place where there's that alignment.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny about that, Diane. I agree with you a million percent. So my company Purpose Labs, and at a high level, what we do is we help people, teams, and organizations not only discover their purpose, but then activate it. So we're the action folks. There's a lot of purpose, find your why stuff out there. And we do that. But then the magic is now roll your sleeves up on Monday morning and put it in action, right? So anyways, we do all this work. And before I get hired, there's many CEOs out there that say, but Paul, (laughs) what if you help our team find their individual purpose and we go through exercises to find our organizational purpose and then we start losing folks and in my head and I I literally will be very blunt and say this and I said if you're worried about that a think about the win-win a disengaged team member may actually go find a pasture that's greener for them and you will have the opportunity to Fill a seat with somebody that is a million percent all in on your purpose. And I also say, if the person you're thinking about or people you're thinking about, their personal why doesn't connect to the organizational why, they've already quit. You just don't (laughs) know it. Like, that's the reality. Like, they were, who's going to stay in a job for 30 yeah. years if they don't believe in the bigger picture? This is not the factory of 80 years ago. Right. This is the workforce of today. So these people have quit without actually quitting. So yeah. I actually think, like, that's why you need to find purpose. Short term, you may take one step back, but it's to take a million
0: forward. Right, exactly. When I used to be in leadership, we used to call it addition by subtraction. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Paul, this is really, really great stuff. And I so appreciate you spending time with me here. Will you tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you and and uh, Purpose Labs and how they can get the playbook?
1: Absolutely. So for one, the power of playing offense is available on Amazon. And so that is the best place to find it. For more on me, paulepsteinspeaks.com, or let's connect on LinkedIn, Instagram, frankly, any social platform. And then Purpose Labs is purposelabs.us. So I am easy to find. I've got amazing marketing partners that have created an amazing uh, digital footprint. So all this to say that if you're inspired by purpose, performance, and impact, then please find me. Let's connect. Let's hop on a call and see what's possible.
0: Excellent, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are always who we're doing this for. And boy, there was a lot to unpack here, a lot that's really valuable for you, your business and uh, your future success. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast